This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Hey everyone, Joseph here, producer with the Frontier Pod, to tell you about a super exciting and informative event that we've been working on behind the scenes to share with our community. On Wednesday, August 28th at 11am, Gun.io and Raygun are teaming up to bring you a webinar where we'll go over practical tips to building high-performance software teams. Our presenter is Dave Swirsky, who is a lead engineering manager and author, and Jeff Langston, freelance software engineer and consultant, will be tackling this issue from both sides of the equation as a team leader and a freelance engineer. They're going to look at what to look for when hiring new talent and how to achieve that best culture fit some software monitoring tips that empower your team, and some proven mechanisms that drive positive behavior, ownership, and increased customer satisfaction. They're also going to look at how to speed up the onboarding process so your new hires have the info that they need and are on the same page with the wider team. And hey, can't make it on August 28th at 11 a.m.? Totally cool. We got your back. Register anyway, and we'll send you the recording. You can find all the information and register at bit.ly slash raygunwebinar. That is bit.ly slash r-a-y-g-u-n webinar. Or you can find those links in the show notes. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the show. Three-time CTO Rich Brown put in his Fortune 500 time across the enterprise sector at Bank of America, SAP, and others. Legend Rich discussed the trade-offs of native and hybrid, cloud and local, and the true experience end-users are looking for. We talk about the evolution of Microsoft and the company's re-evolution in the developer ethos with the acceptance of .NET Core. Rich, good to have you, man. Thanks for spending the time with us. Hey, Ledge. Good to be here. Thanks for having me today. Cool, cool. Can you tell the audience, you know, your story, a little little background of you and your work? Yeah, sure. It's kind of kind of been a you know a, a, a long history in uh, in technology. I, I I think you know for me it all started back with the movie War Games a long time ago. Um, saw the movie, didn't have a computer, got a book, started learning how to write programs using a, a book on BASIC and just writing it on. I started writing them on a tablet, and uh, you know eventually worked my way into getting a computer, and you know uh, decided to go go to school for computer engineering and. You know, kind of along the way, just just have you know worked worked my way up through the software engineering and data side. Um, you know, most of my early career was I, I dove into Unix administration, working at companies like American Express, and and then on to doing development work for Bank of America, and on to becoming a VP of Business Intelligence at Bank of America. And you know, most recently, I've been probably a CTO for the last ten years at three different companies, and I'm currently at Digital Airstrike, and we're a you know, a leading consumer engagement agency and, and uh, rolling out a lot of the new technology at Digital Airstrike. So it's kind of, kind of where I came, built my way up from the, you know, the tech side and, and uh, here I am today. You know, what I love talking about is people that uh, you have roughly the same vintage that I have, you know, sort of um, in the space and, you know, not being new to technology. Um, I always like to know, you know, from your perspective, looking back on, on your career and the trajectory of, uh, of the technology change, you know, what's changed, but more importantly, what's stayed the same and come back around on, on you know, the trends and uh, the way things are done? Because I think the same patterns exist, you know, over time, and we sometimes miss that. Just curious what your perspectives are. 
Yeah, it's true. And I think one of the things that I see most lately that really amuses me is that, you know, back when we started doing development, I, I was post mainframe era. So, you know, we thought all the mainframe guys were the dinosaurs and, you know, coming into doing client server development and, and everything moved from, from, you know, being able to do everything within the command line and writing programs and just an editor to, to moving into visual tools and everything, everything became GUI based, right? And, you know, and then we had this whole, whole generation of programmers that came out who knew how to program the GUI, but no one ever touched the command line. And, and it, it just amuses me now that like all my, all my new front end developers that are sitting out here today, like I was just sitting with Juan going through some, some of his code commits and it's, it's everything's in command line again. All the Git tools that you're using is all done in command line. So, so it's almost forced where it's come back around to, to command line. And, you know, even in the more of the modern technologies now and using, you know, Visual Studio Code and rolling out to core with Docker containers, it, everything's going in command line and you have to be able to write command line scripts and so so we're almost going back to the days of where we were writing batch scripts but now everything's done through either linux you know linux scripts or in uh, powershell scripts so it's it, it's you know it's funny to me that it's the, the whole use of the command line has had gone away for a while and is now back in full force so right like dos batch files and <laughs> uh, you know bash scripts and uh, command line pipes and you know all those yeah. things that um the front page generation didn't get to to play with as much so um yeah you made a good point on the the client server thinking too you know what one thing i've noticed one of the trends is you know it's like we basically used to have massive servers in a room computers that would do a bunch of stuff and like you know do a dumb client and then you had like really powerful client and kind of didn't worry about the server as much and then you came back to, you know, everything's on the cloud and we've kind of got the dumb client again, but now the client's becoming really powerful. So, you know, are we going to start running payloads on our, on our phone, you know, and just sort of not worried about the cloud as much. And, you know, it just, it just goes back and forth to centralized, decentralized, centralized, right. decentralized. Well, yeah, I mean, we see it with mobile technology, right, in terms of the hybrid apps. And, and it's just, it, we, I think we go through these cycles where we want to centralize everything because centralized technology becomes the cool thing. It's easier to do. But then, you know, client, I mean, even from the mainframe world, client server was, was the decentralization. But, you know, now, nowadays, I, I think we, the clients become, even though the clients are more powerful at the end of the day, the, there, there's not really an appetite to support all the different clients and the challenges that you come with, that come along with different clients so, so that's why i think for us today it makes it easier to be on the you know in the cloud but you know more the more we standardize browser technology and and the ability to run different applications within the browsers and the and the os stacks it you know it, it, it is moving back towards you know desktop based applications mobile based applications versus cloud based um, i think anyone who's tried to run a you know an html5 mobile app knows that the experience is just not the same as a native mobile app so it's, it's a perfect example how do you come down on um, hybrid mobile frameworks and, uh, you know, opportunities like the progressive web apps and things of that nature? I mean, I think it's an interesting play. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, they're great if it depends on the functionality. If the functionality that you need is, is you know, is, is basic, I think they're perfect. But the minute you start to do, need to do more things like camera access and custom, you know, custom 
you know, functions, it's, it, it becomes a little challenging. I, I think they're still in their infancy yet. I think they're, they're going to, they're going to evolve, but I still think they're today, there's nothing better than native apps to get you the, you know, the true experience the, the hybrid apps, the last thing you want is, you know, I've seen some lag in the apps in terms of their performance. And the last thing you want is, is end users being able to feel a lag. That's, that's the first turnoff that they'll, they'll, you know, stop using your application. So. Yeah, absolutely. How are you feeling about Flutter? There's a lot of new um, discussion around that and seeing if that can hold up and produce that native performance. It's, it's an interesting topic that I can't even talk to, to be honest with you. It's not something that's even been in my purview right now. So. We have a lot of developers sort of on the, the bleeding edge that are, are crowing about it, you know, in the mobile space. But, yeah. you know, things come and go. And so it'll be interesting to see if it gets any uptake. Yeah, so that makes sense. I'll report back on that one later. For sure. I'll take a look at it. What is, um, what's the nature of, you know, sort of the agency side work? You know, what are you seeing from the client demand side? And, um, you know, what, what are the key technologies and how are people deploying them? I mean, for us, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we kind of went through this and, and I've seen this with like the last few companies that I've worked for as a CTO. Um, you know, I've come in and I've, I've really, my, my specialization has always been coming in and transforming teams and transforming their legacy applications to something that's more modern. And, and, you know, digital airstrike as a, we're a late stage startup. So, so being around about seven years now and, you know, we built up with these, you know, initial MVPs that, that turned into somewhat of a monolith application that was built on kind of a mix of .NET and it was cloud-based, but really just, you know, forklifted servers up to the cloud. And, you know, and now, now what we're seeing is a more targeted approach to the development side. Like we're really, um, we've really deconstructed everything out into a, a microservices platform um, with, uh, you know, we're, everything we're doing today is going into Docker containers versus the, you know, the old, the old way of doing a monolith. And, you know, we've got probably, I don't know, at least today around 200 different microservices that, that are doing, you know, very segregated tasks. And, and so, you know, for, for us, it's, it's been the evolution of, you know, a .NET backend development with SQL Server into exploring more of the um, document data stores, um, mixing in the technology for the back end. We have a mix now of Node. We've experimented a little bit with Go. But the nice thing about the microservices is you don't have to be consistent on a single technology. You can use what's best in terms of languages and in terms of frameworks. You can use whatever's best to, to handle that particular microservice. So, so that, you know, that's where we are. And we've even migrated off from a you know, the, the .NET side, we've, we've really migrated into using Visual Studio Code and rolling out using Visual Studio Core. So, so it's, a, it's, it's a different world for us now. We're rolling out .NET applications on Linux, Linux Docker containers. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Being somebody in a, in a shop that's still embedded in and invested into the Microsoft ecosystem how are you feeling about the evolution of, of that company you know they're also back in the news and they're you know the the most important thing and it, it feels very legacy you know when you've been around that it, it it's come around so long that now microsoft is cool again you know how's how's that fit <laughs> in the developer ethos it's i mean it's true and it's it's really impressed me because the last you know 10 years or so i'd say I, i've been i've 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 really migrated away from Microsoft. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, the, I, I was a Microsoft fanatic early in my career. I was running, you know, a server at home and running SQL server and a mail server and, you know, playing with it myself, like outside of work. And I, I just, I love Microsoft technology. And then, you know, somewhere around the, you know, the, the, 
the 20, 2010 era or so, you know, I started dabbling into some of the Apple products and, you know, became an Apple MacBook fanboy and, you know, started to move towards that. But I think with, you know, under the new leadership, Microsoft has really done a phenomenal job at, at bringing themselves back and being relevant. They, 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 took a, they took down all the walls that Microsoft used to have in terms of their, their code source and everything they're doing. And they made, it, they made their platforms more open and they're actually doing some really cool development. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it's – I'm really impressed, honestly, with the way Microsoft has, has approached things over the last year or two. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that Microsoft's now taken over as the most valuable company because they're just they're, – they're, they're listening to the market. They're listening to the developers, and they're producing tools and, and, and products that actually help people out. So it's, it's – uh, you know, I, I think it's great. I think they're, 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 their move to going into open source as well has really helped them. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's allowing people to start exploring and using the Microsoft products again without, without the, the significant cost associated that was always associated with Microsoft products. So you guys doing anything with IntelliCode yet? I know that's a little bit new, but uh, really exciting announcement. I'm, I'm wondering what it, how it works on the ground. Yeah, we have it. We haven't been here yet. It's just something we haven't as well. We haven't dabbled in. So I'm interested to see if, you know, actually crawling and, and using all the repos in GitHub as a training source, you know, makes for a, an interesting, you know, interactive experience that makes coding better. You know, the, the promise of that sounds fantastical. So I, I really want to yeah. see somebody use it. It's it's super interesting, and I think that you know the Microsoft acquisition at GitHub as well. It's just that that is just I think blew everyone away, and it's it's honestly going to be interesting because you know we see these companies like I know most of the companies that I've worked with in the past have used you know Bit um, have used uh, Bitbucket a lot for for the code store mainly because Atlassian has has established themselves as a powerhouse in the development side, and you know I think it will continue to see the evolution of this with with Microsoft's acquisition of GitHub. You know what what does that lead for the the future of their, um, you know, their, their, um, their build servers and things like that. I think we're going to see a lot more from Microsoft in the next couple of years as well. Yeah. It's interesting to see some of the press turn against Atlassian now, which was, <laughs> you know, absolutely like everybody loved Atlassian. And now like you're feeling a little bit of the, you know, Jira is an anti-pattern and all these things. I mean, whether or not you believe it, it's interesting to even see some of that, you know, when the tide turns on Reddit, so to speak. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so last question. I'd love to ask everybody this. Um, you know, obviously we're in the business of, you know, sourcing and vetting and making sure that, you know, people are just absolutely tier A, you know, software engineers. So we have a very rigorous process, you know, with, with the interviews and the testing and all sort of things that we string together to make that happen. Um, and yet we know that there are best practices everywhere. So I like to ask all the tech leaders that we have on, you know, what are, are your heuristics for hiring developers and then the process you use and the ways that you measure who you want to have on your team from a developer perspective? Yeah, I mean, a big thing for us with, with Digital Airstrike is culture. And we, you know, we, we like to... We really like to try and find the right for the right fit in terms of culture, and it's you know I think for us culture culture means it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. We we love people with diverse backgrounds, and you know and and we think it we think it brings to the table uh, you know a unique skill set. But but I think when it comes down to you know what we look for is that you know we we love to have people that are collaborative, and I think the times are changing in terms of developers. It's it's you know we we always envision the the old school de developers as the guys that want to sit in a corner with the shades down and a dark and don't want to 
talk to anyone. And, and I think that's changing. Over the last five years, I've seen more and more developers come out and they're, they're, they're really social folks. They like to interact with the business. They like to interact with each other. And, you know, and it's changing the dynamics. So I think when we're looking for people on the engineering side, we love people who can come in. You know, they want to talk. They want to interact. They're, they're, you know, they're really personable. And then, you know, if they get past that part, then it dives into the tech side. We really like to look at, you know, what, where's the experience come from? Um, do they, you know, one of the top things that we look for are, are people doing things on the side outside of their main course of work that, that is helping them learn on some of the newer technologies? Because there's always going to be new tech coming out that, that we can't keep up with in the business world. People need to know it. And, and that's a really big sign for us that someone's going to be an overachiever is, you know, do they have a side project going on? We'll call it the side hustle. What's their side hustle going on that they're learning and doing, doing other things? And, and I, you know, I think that we find that as a big predictor of someone who's going to come in, they're going to, they're going to put, you know, all their effort in, they're going to try and do their best. You know, just because they, they're so eager to learn new tech and, and be involved in that. And I think that's, that's a really big factor for us, aside from all the standard, you know, just tech questions and things like that. So normally I cut off there, but because of that question, I need to ask you, what is your side hustle? That's a good question. Photography, honestly. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big photographer on the side. And so whenever I get a chance to get out and, and just, to, I love doing like landscape and city photography. So for me, it's just that, it's just, a, it's a, a thing that gets me to be able to focus on like a moment in time and gets my mind out of the work and out of everything else to, that give me some freedom to go out and enjoy, enjoy things outside. So. I love that. Awesome. Well, Rich, thanks for spending the time with us. Really appreciate the insights and I'm sure the audience will as well. Yeah, sure thing, lads. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.